Breakfast puppies? This podcast contains adult language and content and is meant for mature audiences. Listener discretion is advised. You are listening to The Glitter Boys. Coming in 1982, Palladium Books presents The Journey, Mechanoids Book 2, and Homeworld, Mechanoids Book 3. I was five. (laughs) I was two. (laughs) So we're going to continue our conversation here uh, with The Journey, which originally sold for $4.95. God damn. A screaming deal at that price. I'm jealous. (laughs) Well, you think about it like, uh, that was what? Minimum wage was like three seventy five or something like that at the time. A little over an hour's worth of work. Eh, yeah, yeah. Uh, I think my brother's allowance each week was ten bucks. So that's good allowance. That's one game that you get to get, and yeah. I would totally spend half of my allowance on this game in nineteen eighty two. Absolutely, because you could pick up dice for the same price. Mm-hmm. So uh, the next book, the, what it immediately does is uh, give some of the same stuff, how to play a role-playing game, yada, yada, yada. But then it immediately goes into the invasion events and updates it as to what's happened since book one. God, the casualty rates in there. <laughs> you know? They're depressing. Yeah. Ugh. Human casualty rates, 99%. Human casualty rates, 59%. Thermonuclear. <laughs> I mean, just... Yeah. It gives the uh, present situation, which is... As, as a GM running the game is, is so, so useful. I would, I would play so many games that gave you, here's what's going on in the world right now, because there's all the hooks you need if you have any kind of imagination at all. Whenever I want to buy a game book, I love it when they just break it down right there at the start by numbers, by days, by showing everything. Going Literally on. by yeah. the numbers. Yeah. <laughs> Present situation of the colonies goes into the overriding theme of this book. The plan to evacuate Gideon Eve via orbital shuttle dock and penetrate the massive mechanoid mothership. This ship is approximately the size of North America. Right off the bat, you know what the plan is. When you think about it, a, a, a ship the size of North America is, is penetrable. You, you can live within the walls as some sort of techno rat. I mean, it, it's, it's very doable. And it's, it's literally the only option you have left. You can't, you can't fight the numbers. You can't fight the tech. You got to get inside. The best part to me about that in this book is it sets that up right there. And then if you flip, 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 flip further back in the book, you see, oh, there's a whole campaign set up where if we just want to pee people that have been living in this ship for however long, for generations, we can yeah. be survivors or descendants of survivors from the, the Gideon E planet. But you don't have to do that just yet. If you want to pick up where you left off with the previous game, this book has you covered. In fact, it even gives you new toys like a fucking battle cruiser that you get to use a hover battle cruiser, mind you, that you get to use to fight the mechanoids while still on Gideon E. It has everything set up here for you to take your previous campaign to a next few adventures I'm looking at you, Falling Skies, the TV show. Yeah. You can take that formula 
add in some new tech, some new gear, make some major last desperate attacks against the enemy, realize that it's still ultimately futile, commit your children to getting on this ship in the hopes of one day destroying these fuckers forever. And then you Robotech style horizontal swipe wipe, run the credits, and then wipe over to the beginning <laughs> of the next series, which starts with the children who have already passed on into the, the mecha afterlife, now living in the underbelly of this massive mothership. It's, this is badass. It's, it's, I, you can play it either way. You can, you can take your character there or you can just, yeah, just scene wipe. And <laughs> God, it gets real Buck Rogers now. It's, it's, I love, I, I, I love the ships. I love all the craft. I love the missiles in this. They're, they're, they're the intelligent limited range missiles, the ILRMs. Did somebody say missiles? What? what yeah. We, Oh wait, that's nope, another not yet. episode. <laughs> <laughs> there's there's uh, new suits of body armor which look like it was swiped almost wholesale from GI Joe. That's a uh, Cobra suit of yeah, body armor. But but again, every single component of this robot mm-hmm. is cross sectioned and has little lines going to it, telling you the reader what those little components do. I yeah. really love that kind of detail in a game. I love the things that show you like arcs of fire as well for the weapons where it, it has the uh, the cutaway of how much it can skew or how far it can rotate or what the angle of fire is. I mean, it's just, uh, God, th- this early work is just stunning. One thing I really like about this armor is the defects table that the, it really yes. It really hammers in the fact that this is experimental, last hope. The aliens have already won, but you're trying to take out as many of them as you can before the planet explodes kind of fighting. When you get into one of these things, there's a chance, there's a 50% chance every turn that something unfortunate is going to happen to you. Either it's just going to stand in place and do nothing, or your temperature might rise. You might start overheating. And this is so heavily used in the inspirational genre in mecha shows in anime in movies Mm -hmm. where you know they have to get in that malfunctioning suit and hope and pray that they can get in one last uppercut to the bad guy before they explode and i love it one of the things i really liked was the uh, the balrog destroyer the uh, the colony the new colony weapon yeah the fucking battle cruiser yeah, I, I love I love the description of how they got this. Um, it says um, during one of the shakeups to accommodate the many refugees from surrounding colonies, the Gideon Colony made a startling discovery. In twenty one interstellar packing crates labeled agricultural irrigation pumps, they found the most highly advanced fighting machines designed by Earth, the Balrog Destroyer. How these lethal machines were mislabeled and shipped to Gideon Colony is unknown, but is believed to be the result of bungled interplanetary smuggling operation. So my thought is somewhere where he was putting together his first book, he encountered something that's called the bureaucratic supply chain. Like he discovered this in person in real life. And yeah, so I I got I got the books. Oh, publisher. I love cooking, but what am I going to do with 5,000 cookbooks on Thai food? <laughs> I'm immediately getting game inspiration ideas from this, though. 
imagine yeah. flashback 1982 you're the game master who's buying these books you loved the first book so much that you went to your friendly local gaming store where everybody smokes inside and the books all smell like cigarettes you went up to dave the guy at the counter dave i know you i'm talking about you you went up to dave and said man let me know when this book comes out and he gave you a call the moment this book arrived at the store, you go, you pick this book up, you're looking at it, you're fucking loving it. And right there at the beginning, you see this thing, you see the description, you see how it was found. And suddenly, you know, I know how I'm going to introduce this to my players. They're going to be the adventure that goes out to reclaim some survival supplies which turn out to be 21 motherfucking battle cruisers. <laughs> Imagine the look on your players' faces. <laughs> yeah. As they open the irrigation pumps. <laughs> right. They're expecting to pick up, like, you know, sump pumps and weed whackers, and they find 21 goddamn battle cruisers. That's a good game. I also love his art in that, way down, uh, like three pages down. Where it's like uh, the battle scene of the battle cruiser, and there's the trooper standing by, but all the different pieces that are firing are labeled. <laughs> I, I just fucking love the detail. Yeah, yeah. I, I early Palladium books following this sometimes did this. Like there were yeah. a few. Um, no, the Glitter Boy. The Glitter Boy is a fantastic example of this mentality still in action. Unfortunately, mm -hmm. they abandoned it. It just got kind of expensive, I guess. They didn't want to, they wanted to save time, yeah, but I miss yeah, it. Yeah, the amount of material they still put out to this day is, is staggering. And while we like to tease uh, about, you know, some projects that are, you know, were promised in the 90s and are still, we're still waiting for. We'll get to those very I mean, shortly. I, <laughs> I, I I I couldn't imagine keeping up to a release schedule like this, especially not with one person oversight. So I, I'm prepared to forgive a great deal. It also goes into the the first race of Gideon E, the Golden Ones, one lone survivor, uh, Salendar, who joins the colonists with his advanced weaponry and uh, helps them to to fight off the the final battle of the Mechanoids as they are destroying the planet. In this book, they're actually. You know how on like, uh, this might date me a little bit, but in snail mail, <laughs> you can get a, a book of stamps with perforations. They're yeah. kind of doing that to the planet. They're, they're, they're drilling things to bust the planet apart and setting charges. There was a video game that I was really into called Dead Space. And the entire corporate setup of Dead Space, which, by the way, it's only background. It's not the plot of the game. But the background is that you are on a planet that has recently been, as they call it, cracked by this mining corporation called, I forget the name of it. But what they do is they do this thing called planet cracking. They just go and find a planet full of resources. They carve out a massive chunk of it. They, they set up little little laser dots around it. They're like, okay, these are where our, our fucking little pods are. We've got our little survey beacon set up. All right, cool. Let's crack that pop. And they just pop out a chunk of the planet, like a big old diamond-shaped chunk of the planet. And dear God, just the hubris of that. <laughs> one thing that I really like about this guy is, one, he's the last of his kind. 
So I really like seeing that kind of a thing in a game. You know, it, it, it introduces a new race, but you don't get to play them. They're a mystery. They become an enigma that hangs out in the background. They can do cool things, but they're the only one, and it's kind of a tragic setup. But also, look at this guy's gear. It is yeah. so weird looking. It does not look like anything that you would imagine a sci-fi creator thinking, oh, I'm going to create some spaceships where they're just going to look like some F-14 Tomcats here and I'm going to fucking put them in space and just give them some organic yeah. engines or something. Look, they're they're is, bubbly. What is this? This is like... I can't even explain it. This is like a lozenge with laser guns. It's... <laughs> oh, it's beautiful. That said, uh, the the Oracle ship, that's that looks very Zentradi. Yeah... <laughs> <laughs> but that's 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 a mechanoid thing. That's not the uh, that's not Salandar. Uh, he does have a, a cool freaking laser sword shooty thing, power rod. Yeah, and that actually does it. It connects to some of the underground alien ruin stuff from the previous mm-hmm. game with like this the 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 spheres and whatever. It's it's a very interesting setup. Their technology, you can tell. The art, the various artists, including uh, Kevin's journey here, as things start to get a lot more detailed and a lot more like uh, like the octopus mechanoid, the, yeah, it has the same labeling and all that kind of stuff. But just the the articulation of everything gets a lot less primitive real fast. Oh yeah, it all of it looks really good. You uh, you you have upgrades to things you learned about in the first book, like uh, the runners. Um, now they have a, a more mobile suit. The the brain mechanoids get a uh, basically a troop carrier. <laughs> you have some strange, just completely new classes like the exterminator and uh, the black widow. And then you have some things that you're they're not there to fight. They're just they're they're what they're using to crack open the earth. Should you wish to delay them, there there's some thought there, and it has you know what's uh, what's in them, uh, how many of the different kinds are working there, what the damages are, uh, what the structural capacity for things are. They're, they're hauler type stuff. Uh, three different versions of that. Uh, you have the mechanoids battle cruisers. Mm, yeah. I mean, and, and we're talking, we're talking big stuff here. The, the entire level has gone from, we are the stunned survivors, but we're banding together into defense into more of an integrated battle. And the stakes and the weapons have gotten correspondingly bigger in this second book. What I love the most as a game master, and this is something that I've really loved about earlier era Palladium books. When you finally get to the actual subject matter of the adventure itself, when you've made it past all of the stats of creatures and gear and whatnot... It, it gets into the, you know, why you're doing what you're doing and how to set up a campaign that takes place in the bowels of a mothership. It maps that fucking ship out. Yeah. It goes with a cross section. Then it goes section by section inside said cross section, floor by floor, room by room, random encounter tables. This is a continent sized dungeon crawl and yeah. it's glorious 
in case you get really squirrely, like you become super able, it also lists its structural capacity. For example, the wing-like protrusions of the ship, small overall, has an SDC of 40 billion, just in case that number is important. It might be important. Who knows? <laughs> well, that's kind of, I guess it's kind of a rib at TSR, who in their Deities and Demigods book gave yeah. stats to God. <laughs> so it's like, eh, we're going to have more SDC than God. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I love all of this because it not only gives the step-by-step, but in the, uh, it gives random encounter tables for each type of area and they're thought out. They're, they're things that, that should be there. It, it gives you how often you should roll like, uh, the master computer, uh, roll every eight minutes, engineering section, roll every six minutes. It's, it's, it's really good. Uh, junctions type one, uh, type two and three, you should roll every 10 minutes. And then, uh, If you ain't got anything else to do, it gives you goddamn space wizards. Oh, I thought you were going to release the dragon. Next, but okay. Um, I'm looking at the space wizards. Yeah. Alien magic. They, seriously, they're horn-headed space wizards and they're amazing. <laughs> yeah. And then it goes into some of the other things. There are the mutants who have been exposed to the various uh, things within the ship. They could be human. They could be of uh, the rovers. It gives tables on that. It gives uh, the, the battle teams of, of the humans, uh, the sleeper teams. There's the, the mech pet. They upgrade the rovers. They, they give new areas of expertise. I, you know, I wonder if they included this magic just because they were gearing up for Palladium Fantasy. I when think- did that come out? Uh, early, early, early eighties. Don't I have to? Pull it might have already out. been out by yeah. then. I, I, I don't know. I, I know that the, I know that Star Wars was now pretty popular. So space mm-hmm. wizards and of course that weird singular proto aliens laser sword, yeah, kind of thing are probably put there as a nod to players who are expecting. To have some kind of Star Wars shit in their game. The schools of magic, like elemental spells, energy moving, dimensional types of spells. Yeah, all, all different kinds of stuff. There's interesting stuff, though, like uh, dimensional spells, level five, coexistence, 15 ISP to cast. <laughs> I mean, it's just, it's, 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 it's really cool. These are, these are thought out spells that I wouldn't mind seeing a resurgence of. And... Even after the magical section, the book keeps going. We have more stuff for the game master specifically. Like, okay, what are the mechanoids really up to? Well, here's what you need to know about that. And what's the detail on the ship that the players probably shouldn't know? Here's the detail about that. But my favorite part, the last two pages of the book, they go into details on the societies that might spring up of humans in the generations that will pass while you are riding along in this mother, yeah. complete with governmental systems and thoughts on magic and technology and just societal standards. It's, I love this. I, I like the amount of, of critters living in the, uh, living in the ship. I mean, yeah. there's, there's that, that list there, uh, what their populations are, 
what their relationship to humans are, what their intelligence is, what their degree of hostility is. I mean, robots are, oh, good, there's 192 billion there. And oh, that's what kind they are. This is how many octopuses there are. These are how many tunnel crawlers they are. Brain runners. I mean, it's just humans, uh, the the various tribes. I mean, it's, it's really cool. And this is just within their damn ship. Yeah. Yeah. This is one of the one of the best detailed interior ship designs I've ever seen. And it's amazing. And and once again, it is a complete game. It is complete. I really did not expect us to spend this long talking about this book. Stay I, tuned for part three. No, you're <laughs> you might be joking, but we're going to have to make this a third part because we're running pretty yep. long here. <laughs> this, this oh, is, God. Yeah. OK. You know, we have spent less time on more. This is only like a 200 page book. We're only yeah. a third of the way through it. Uh, no, we're only halfway through it because the second half of this book is still to come. Well, the final third is yeah. 100 pages. I mean, it's it's a big book for an early offering. Yeah. All right, guys, you know where to pick it up. You heard it in the first one. Go buy it. Go buy it. See you next time. You've been listening to The Glitter Boys, a Palladium Books fan podcast. Glitter Boys, Rifts, the Megaverse, and all other such topics are the property of Kevin Sambita and Palladium Books. Please buy all their stuff and help keep them in print and making more games. You can order directly at palladiumbooks.com, and their entire catalog is available digitally at DriveThruRPG as well. Our opening music is 8-Bit Bass and Lead by Furby Guy from freesound.org. This closing music is Caravana by Philip Gross, available at freemusicarchive.org. All sound effects used are self-made or acquired via Creative Commons Zero License. If you like what you have heard, find us on Twitter and Facebook as The Glitter Boys. That's B-O-I-S. And check us out online at breakfastpuppies.com slash glitterboys. And also join us on the Breakfast Puppies Network Discord at breakfastpuppies.com slash discord. And if you want to help us out, please spread the word and help us build a community. Thanks again for listening. We'll catch you next time.